54b1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara was discussing the topic of Ha'ara, that one fulfills the mitzvah of Yibam, if a person just, if the couple just begins uh, the sexual act, even if, even before the stage in which they complete it. And the proof to this idea comes from the fact that we see that with regards to other areas of halacha, when it comes to isurim, prohibited uh, sexual activity, that the prohibition is when is violated, even in the beginning of the act, uh, even before one completes the act. And the Gemara suggested three different sources for this idea. The first source comes from the rules of Nida, uh, that there's a prohibition for <laughs> a man to have sexual relations with his wife, even when uh, they're married, if she is in Nida, if she had her period and she didn't go to the Mekviyah. That is uh, case number one, where the Pasuk there, the verse there uses a word that implies Ha'ara, it implies that it's just the beginning of the act. Uh, source number two comes from Aishas Ach, comes from uh, the Pasuk, the verse which discusses the prohibition to marry your sister-in-law, your brother's wife. And in that case, in that verse, it says that it's like a nida. It's like a nida, and just like by a nida, the Gemara originally thought, just like by a nida, uh, the prohibition starts from the beginning of the act. So too, when it comes to having relations with your brother's wife. And then the third proof comes from your aunt, your father's sister, or your mother's sister. And there too, it uses a language of ha'ara uh, that uh, the prohibition begins from the beginning of the act itself. In the end of the day, the Gemara said that the only real source is from the first source. It's from the first source of Nida. And once we have that first source, we have another verse which connects all of the uh, prohibitive relationships to say that just like it applies by Nida, it applies by all of them. So the Gemara now is going to ask, well, now that we're only using the first source, so what do we do with the other two sources? What do we do with those sources? What are they used for? So the Gemara says as follows, Why, when it comes to the verse that's discussing the prohibition to marry your brother's wife, why does it use the language of Nida? Why does it compare it to a Nida? Uh, originally we thought that the comparison was there to teach you about Ha'ara, about the fact that the uh, prohibition is when one begins the act. And uh, it's true, but we don't need that. We don't need that within the verse of uh, the prohibition to marry your brother's wife because we have a different verse which connects all of the prohibitive relationships. So why does it say specifically Nida in the context of your brother's wife? <coughs> so the Gemara is going to have something fascinating. The Gemara is going to say that if we did not have this verse which tells us that it's like a Nida, I would have thought as follows. I could have thought that we know that there's a concept of Yibam, that there's a point in time where it's permissible for you to marry your brother's wife. If that means that there's a point in time where it's permissible for you to marry your brother's wife, so then if I did not have this verse, so then I could have said that it's really, it's in fact permissible to marry her even during your brother's lifetime. What does that mean, even during your brother's lifetime? They're married. Certainly you can't marry her when she's married. as a sister-in-law to your brother. She's married to your brother. It means, let's say they get divorced. Let's say they get divorced. So then just like it's permissible uh, to do yibum. So maybe yibam is a mitzvah, uh, and there's an obligation to do yibam, but if it's not in the context of yibam, if your brother didn't pass away, maybe at least it's permissible. Maybe it's not a mitzvah, maybe it's not required, but maybe it's just permissible to marry your brother's wife after they get 
divorced. Or perhaps maybe there's a prohibition, but it's not a severe prohibition. It's not a prohibition uh, that leads to uh, leads to death. Uh, maybe it's a different type of a prohibition. But there's a very interesting. This is all in the initial stage. Uh, this will be. This is re- going to be rejected. The fact that the pasuk, the verse tells us nida, teaches us that no, uh, you could have something which has a prohibition later on. That has a prohibition, and then it becomes permissible uh, later on. Uh, so essentially, the gemara is going to have an initial thinking that the prohibition to uh, for to to marry your sister-in-law, to marry your brother's wife, perhaps. I mean, let's say after they get divorced. Perhaps is in fact either permissible or it's not as severe. A very fascinating idea. There's a discussion. When do, would we say that it's permissible to marry your brother's wife in a, in a situation where they get divorced, where the brother's still alive? Some say maybe it always applies, uh, and it become once it's permissible, it's permissible. Others say that no, maybe it's specifically when they don't have children. Only in a situation where. They don't have children, just like by Yibam, the whole context of Yibam is only if they didn't have children, so then maybe it's only permissible if they didn't have children. But again, all of this is in the initial thought process. Once we connect it to Nida, so then we say that no. Just like by Nida, if you think about Nida, Nida, there's a prohibition now. You are not allowed to have sexual relations with your wife when she had her period, and it becomes permissible later on. Once she goes to the mikvah, it becomes permissible. So we find that there are situations where it becomes permissible later on, even though it's a severe prohibition uh, at the time. So, so too, even though we know that there's a concept of yibam that it can become permissible later on by uh, by a scenario where the brother passes away without any children, but still, it's still a prohibition uh, during the brother's lifetime. Even after they get divorced, it would still be a prohibition. So that is essentially the Gemara outside. Let's see this inside. So we say, like the Ravuna, the reason why we didn't mention Nida in the verse is because we're connecting it to Nida the Amr of Huna, because Rav Huna says, Rav is How do we know that there's a prohibition? Uh, or how do we know that there's a concept of doing the mitzvah of Yibam in the Torah? So the Gemara interjects and says, wait a minute. What do you mean, where is there the mitzvah of Yibam? The, the Torah tells us about the mitzvah of Yibam. What did he mean? How do we know that there's a prohibition to marry your sister-in-law during your brother's lifetime, meaning after they get divorced, certainly not when they're still married, that would certainly not be allowed, but after they get divorced, how do we know that there's still a prohibition? Because one could have said that uh, the following. One could have said, So first, sorry, one could have said that uh, there it is permissible, because just like we know that Yibam is permissible, so maybe it's permissible also uh, when the brother divorces his wife. So the Gemara objects to this and says, what are you talking about? Uh, of course uh, of course, we don't need a Pasuk to tell us this, that there's a prohibition. The very fact that the Torah tells us that there's a concept of Yibam that is permissible to marry your, your sister-in-law after your brother passes away without children, that clearly implies there's a prohibition when your when your brother is alive. It tells us only the only scenario that the Torah tells us that it's permissible to marry your sister-in-law is when your brother passes away without any children. Implication is every other scenario, it would be a prohibition. So where it says it's true. However, we might have thought differently. One could have thought that the context of yibum, where the brother passes away without any children, there's a mitzvah, there's an obligation to do yibum. But if the brother just divorced his wife. 
So maybe there's no obligation to do Yibam, but maybe it's still an option. It's not a, it's not a prohibition. Maybe it's still an option. Maybe you could marry, not that there's an obligation, but you could marry your sister-in-law. Alternatively, Yinami, Lachem is by law, Ein, Bechaye by that after the, bro- the brother passes away without any children, so then you are allowed to marry the sister-in-law. There's a mitzvah to marry the sister-in-law. But when the brother's still alive, after they get divorced, so we would say, no, you can't. And if I didn't have an extra verse, I would have said that this is a lower level uh, type of a prohibition. It's something that we refer to as a lava bamachala say. It's a prohibition that's derived from a positive commandment. Because there's a positive commandment to say, do yibum when the brother passes away. Implication, without the verse telling us explicitly, implication is, well, you cannot do yibum if the brother is alive. But that's a very different type of a prohibition. That's not a severe prohibition. That's just uh, what we learn out from the positive commandment. The positive commandment only applies within a limited scenario. So implication is that it's not allowed in any other scenario. So that's not as severe of a, a prohibition. So essentially, the Gemara says that if I didn't have this verse, this verse which also has the word Nida inside of it, I would have thought that it is permissible to marry your sister-in-law. Or even if it's not permissible, it's not as severe of a prohibition. So comes Amar Kra, Ve'ish Asher Yikach as Ish is Achav Nidahi. That's why it says that you're not allowed to marry your sister-in-law. It's Nida. What do you mean it's Nida? Ve'ish is Achav Nidahi. Is your brother's wife in Nida? Did she have her period? Is it, what's the connection? Elokin Nida. It means it's similar to Nida. In what sense? Ma Nida. Just like Bayan comes to Nida, right now it's a severe prohibition with the punishment of Kares to marry, to have sexual relations with your wife who is in Nida, who had a period. Uh, but afterwards, after she goes to the mikvah, it's permissible. So, so too over here. At the time, right now, when the brother's alive, even if they get divorced, there's a prohibition. It happens to be, it's true. There is a concept of yibam. There comes, there's a time where there's a mitzvah and it's permissible to marry your sister-in-law, but as of now, there's a prohibition. Just like by Nida, it could switch to so too over here. It could switch as well. So that's the conclusion of the Gemara. Very interesting. I have an initial thought to say that maybe it is permissible to marry your sister-in-law, even if uh, the brother doesn't pass away. The The conclusion is that no. The verse tells us explicitly from Nida that uh, there is a prohibition if the brother is alive. Okay, that is point number one of this Gemara. Point number two is, well, what about the other verse? We originally had a different verse. We had your father's sister, your mother's sister, uh, and there's a prohibition to marry your aunt. And the verse said, Ha'ara, it said that uh, the prohibition only, uh, the prohibition uh, begins even from the, from the beginning of the act itself. And that was unnecessary. The, the Pasuk didn't have to tell us about Ha'ara. We, we knew about that anyways, as we pointed out before. We learned it out from Nida. From Nida teaches us about Ha'ara, that it's the beginning of the act, which is defined as the sexual act itself. So we don't need it elsewhere. We don't need it when it comes to uh, your aunt. So the Gemara asks, So why does it say Ha'ara there? So the Gemara says something very interesting. Because it's... If it helps for what Ravina asked to Rava, Ravina asked Rava, Hamara Bazakar Mahu. What happens when does one violate the prohibition uh, to to uh, for a man to have sexual relations with another man? At what point in time does it begin? Does the prohibition uh, does one violate the prohibition at the, from the beginning of the act itself from a har ara? Uh, so maybe we need the verse 
uh, to teach us that even though it's not a, even though we're not discussing the the verse itself is discussing one's aunt, but maybe we could also learn how to uh, a situation where it's one man having sexual relations with another man that it begin that the prohibition is when the beginning of the act uh, takes place. So the Gemara says no for that we don't need the verse, but with regards to one's aunt because it says bizarre when it comes to having relations with another man, it says mishkafe ishik siva. It says that it's it uses the term that it's equivalent to having relations with a woman. So just like when it comes to illicit relationships for with between a man and a woman, that begins at the prohibition exists at the beginning of the sexual act. So then so too, when it comes to a man having sexual relations with another man, the prohibition uh, begin is when is at the beginning of the act itself. So we don't need uh, that extra word, that extra word which uh, which comes up in the psukim, in the verses with regards to one's ant, uh, we don't need that because we already know that this concept, because within the verse that's describing the prohibition uh, to have homo- to have relations with another man, so within that verse, it says that just like it would work in the same way as having relations with a, a woman in a context where it's prohibited. Uh, so that's why ha'ara, the, the word ha'ara, when it comes to one's ant, is not used for that context. Rather, uh, there was a following question. When one is having sexual relations with an animal, when does that prohibition begin? Does it begin, does it, when, when does it exist? Does it exist at the beginning of the sexual act itself? So, Amar Le, so Rav said, to Ravina, the word ha'ara, which is found with regards to the prohibition to marry one's aunt, it's unnecessary. We don't need that word. It's out of context. Because we already knew, we already know from Nida that for, with regards to all illicit prohibitions, it starts from, the prohibition is that from the beginning of the act itself. So the fact that it, the Torah has that word there when it's unnecessary, it's really there to teach us something else. What's there to teach us? It's there to teach us that if a person has sexual relations with an animal, the prohibition is also from the beginning of the act itself. It's really there for a different context. The more than asks, if it's there for a different context, then If that's the case, that we're not really using that word in the context of the prohibition to marry one's aunt, but we're really using that word in the context of the prohibition to have relations with an animal, sexual relations with an animal. So the prohibition to have relations with one's aunt is not as severe. It's an iser kares. It's a punishment by Hashem of an early death. However, uh, bestiality, having relations with uh, with an animal, that is more severe. That has a more severe punishment of the actual death penalty. So if you want to teach it to me, so use that word with regards to a prohibition that is that results in the death sentence. Why does he use that word in a different context with regards to uh, a less severe uh, prohibition? And punishment. So the Gemara answers no. I did kulei kral l'drasha. The Gemara answers that no. When it comes to the prohibition to marry your aunt, your father's sister, or your mother's sister, that verse itself, there are many, many different things that we learn out from that from that verse. So since there are already other things that we we expound upon that verse, so it's fitting to have the word ha'ara also in that verse because it's also there to expound upon that word and to say that when it comes to an animal, also. The prohibition is when one begins the sexual act as well. So really, perhaps you would think that it's that's not really the right place to put it, but it is the right place to put it because that verse anyways has other things that we 
Darshan, which we expound upon with regards to that verse. But in the end of the day, with regards to this point, it's interesting because Nida is the, is the verse that tells us that uh, the beginning of the act is the prohibition. And then we learn from Nida to all other cases. However, it's not exactly true that it applies to all other cases. It's true. It applies to other cases be- that are prohibitions between a man and a woman. However, when it comes to the, pro- to the uh, prohibitions that apply for a man to have sexual relations with another man or for a man to have sexual relations with an animal, those prohibitions, so we, we would not necessarily have learned from Nida. We would, not, we would not learn from Nida. And that's why the Torah tells us, well, when it comes to a man with a man, so in that context, the verse says that it's, the prohibition exists in the same way as Mishkeve Isha, as having relations with a woman. And when it comes to an animal, essentially, the, the Torah has to add in the word Ha'ara. The Torah has to add in that word ha'ara that it's from the beginning of the, of the uh, sexual act because I would not have known I would have not have known it from nida itself. So it's just interesting that um, even though the rules would apply the same across the board, but we need an extra verse uh, to teach us the rules when it comes to uh, sexual relations between a man and a man or between a man and an animal. Okay. So that is uh, the end of the Gemara for this recording. And we'll continue with the Gemara Nadal and Nubes in the next recording.